Hey everyone, today I want to talk about Jurgen Habermas's idea of the public sphere. Now, if you're new here, uh, hi, I'm David. Uh, I upload videos every week explaining philosophy stuff, so if you haven't already, like, share, subscribe, uh, that'd be great. Now before jumping into it as well, if you want to follow me, you can do that on Instagram at theory underscore and underscore philosophy. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find it in podcast form where there shouldn't be any ads. If you're listening to this in podcast form, you can find the video on YouTube if you're interested in that at all. As I already mentioned, you can like, share, subscribe. That would help me out. Uh, you can help me out monetarily if you want via the links in the description, but obviously don't feel obliged. Uh, but yeah, let's just jump right into this. So Jürgen Habermas is uh, belongs to the kind of Frankfurt School tradition alongside, you know, Adorno and Marcuse and Benjamin. Um, and he's, he's still alive, I think. He's he's old. And he is pretty famous slash infamous for his idea of the public sphere. And it's kind of a simple idea, and it goes like this. For him, he would like to see fostered kind of hearkening back to... Harking, hearkening back to a, a kind of Victorian... Um, era idea about um, policy making, he wishes to develop a sphere in which citizens could come to discuss ideas. Now, maybe the easiest way we could think about this is by having some kind of like building dedicated to this, this practice. But it goes through a few different phases. Firstly, it depends upon a certain stage in, I guess, human development or societal development, when people have ample access to information, certainly the internet could be a catalyst for this, uh, having access to information, to uh, have the uh, capacity to contact or at least be heard by people in authority, which can also be facilitated by the internet, and you know the public sphere could be considered in terms of the internet itself as being that sphere, but anyways, let's still imagine our kind of it's a building somewhere where this is happening. Um, no one would be disallowed from this community, provided that they were prepared to discuss in a coherent manner, which, it, you know, we get into sticky territory here. Like, what is that? Who gets to decide what is, like, proper speech? And there are some uh, people that have certainly taken Habermas to task on this, specifically Nancy Frazier and Michael Warner, some other people as well that have pointed to some of the problems in what I'm going to present. But once we've constituted, once we've created the space in which educated individuals come together to discuss their ideas, then what would happen is that it would create enough of a stir among the kind of social body that it would then reverberate up to people in authority who would then, you know, create policy that would reflect those people's interests, those the kind of educated mass of people that have come together to discuss these ideas. Now this is all very pie in the sky, a little bit uh, fantastical because there are certain barriers that Habermas doesn't actually account for. Uh, there are some problems with this, obviously, because if we account for things like racism, we then interrogate or might interrogate, okay, are people just going to be heard as though there's no histories to who's talking as though in our bringing something up 
we're just going to be taken as neutral human beings, even among, even if race isn't a consideration, take class. Like if someone is not dressed a certain way, will they be um, taken as seriously as someone else? If someone doesn't use the right vernacular, are they going to be believed by the rest of the intelligentsia? Like who, who is going to determine who gets to speak and who isn't? Is someone who comes from the country who might not have the same you know, um, lexicon as someone who went to like the most prestigious universities that the world has to offer, like who is going to be taken more seriously here? And so there is that problem. But for him, Habermas, this is the demonstration of a kind of really fruitful democracy because it assumes, it implies that people are educated and that they are able to put their education into practice and to essentially make use of it in a way that betters the social body as as a whole. And that's like really it. <laughs> There's really not much more to it than that. It's a short like piece and it's pretty important. So, you know, if, if you were like had to read this for a class, chances are I just gave you everything you're gonna need. Uh, but yeah. Check it out if you know. Go read it. Check out Nancy Fraser's work, Michael Warner, who who've taken this stuff up, uh, and be pretty helpful for you to understand and contextualize and problematize what Habermas is on about. Uh, but yeah, so click one of these sides for another video, and then see you next time. Take care.